1: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers and C.J. Vogel. Uh, we're going to kind of continue the discussion we had uh, talking about the offensive depth chart uh, and carry it over into the defense now. Uh, there were a couple of surprises on offense, I thought, from from guys, particularly the discussion over the wide receiver uh, room and tight end even I thought was interesting. But let's let's start the defense and give, again, we're going to give ground rules or parameters, whatever you want to say. Uh, Rod suggested this, and I agree. Texas operates the most out of the, the base nickel package, which is essentially a 425 look or a 245, whatever, uh, whatever Pete Kukowski wants to call it. But essentially, it's five DBs. Uh, so that's what we're going to do for today and, and go with that. Rod, I want to start with you, if you don't mind, and start mm-hmm. around the edges the buck and the jack position. Last year, Ethan Burke was the buck. Uh, Baron Sorrell, the Jack, they both return this year, but you also have the addition of Trey Moore. You know that Justice Finkley played a lot. What are you, what are your thoughts on uh, the predicted starting lineup as we head into, to, to spring camp in this
0: uh training period?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really interesting. I I don't see how you, you keep Trey Moore off the field considering right. what he's coming in and what he's accomplished uh, the question is with both those guys returning, who do you take off the field? I, I happen to see him as your, you know, he's gonna be your best pass rushing edge player, honestly, in terms of making splash plays that you've had since Sark has been here. Uh, so I'll say Trey Moore is at one end. I'll go with, ooh, that's good. If Trey Moore is gonna be in, he'll probably end up being uh maybe your mm, maybe the buck. Is that probably where they'll put him at? I'm not sure exactly they, how they, they recruited answer. him. They recruited him as a buck. That's what I, I mean, exactly. So if that's the case, then I, I, you know, and if you're going Jack and Buck, then I'll go with Trey Moore at the other Jack. Then I'll, I guess Baron, Baron Sorrell is your other Jack coming back. Uh, So I would project that those are your two defensive ends. I don't want to take Ethan Burke off the field, but I don't see how I I don't see how Trey Moore is not one of those guys, unless you want to move Ethan Burke to the Jack. And then you're talking about taking Baron Sorrell off the field. I,
1: I tell you what um we talked about it in the, in the other one first world problems the reality of it is is they got to get after the quarterback better than they have in the, in the past agree whether that means uh inserting trey Moore because he's had some success doing that or figuring out who's better to do it between uh ethan burke and baron sorrell uh both of those guys made plays obviously this year cj how do you
3: how do you uh, figure into this What do you, what are your thoughts I I was thinking in a perfect world, you move Ethan Burke to Buck. You know, you use him on that strong side. I think that the length and the size plays to your advantage there. That also frees up Trey Moore to go into that Jack role where you can let him loose, you know. And I I think that would help. At least the two of them in my eyes are the two best pass rushers that you're going to have on on roster next year. Uh, That's not to say that Baron Sorrell won't take a jump, but I'm looking at the numbers now. I mean, Burke had about a sack and a half. More than Sorrell, and you know, uh, almost 30% less of the snaps on the field. So, I thought there's a little bit more disruption there. How does Colin Simmons fit into this? I'd like to see him on the field. We haven't talked about him yet, but if he's able to, and we've talked about it on on Coffee and Football, you know, three or four sacks for Simmons in a rotational role, I would say he's a good freshman campaign. Anything more than that, you're playing with uh house money, and especially when
1: you're here's my take on it, guys. I think that us debating who's going to start is almost unnecessary <laughs> because I think it's going to be about rotations. Yep. And it may, to Rod's point, it may even be situational um, beyond that, right. Where uh, you know mm-hmm. that in past situations, it may definitely be Burke and uh, Burke and Moore, or you bring in a Colin Simmons too, right. Yeah. I mean, there's there just so many different iterations and don't forget about justice Finkley. Uh, he had a good, a quietly a good end of the year yeah. last year. Uh, so he's coming on and wants to be in that rotation. tap Tapp, uh, part of that as well. All right. So I think that rotation, the top three, four are kind of set, if you add thinkly to that to- total. What about on the interior, Rod or, or CJ? Uh, I asked Rod first on the edge. I'll ask you now on the interior. Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins are your clear one and two out of the gate. Is that is that the way you see it ending up
3: uh, at the end of spring? It is, and it's where does who, like how does Vernon Broughton take over that nose? If that's if those are going to be your one two, we've talked about the length of Alfred Collins's arms doesn't necessarily suit well to that true nose. If it's Vernon Broughton, he's you know a, a little bit of that same similar build in the sense that he doesn't have that short, stocky, immovable object build, and so. If those are your two pieces, I think Texas is going to be happy in the in the passing game, but the run game is a little bit you know a little bit of a question mark. I think Alfred Collins' activity is very high, but as a result, he gets out of position a little bit too often in running in the running game. He's not uh, always what you would call gap sound or or responsible to where he's supposed to be. As a result of being as athletic as he is, he gets moved out of place just a little bit too much. He, in a way, he works against himself, but. Those are the two guys that I have right now, Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins in the interior. I think Aaron Bryant's going to uh, pick a, a rollout, out, obviously Saveya, but if, if Sadir Mitchell can really take that step, and that's a lot to ask right now, he might be looking at as that next nose and Texas could be a little bit you know, well uh, positioned going into next season. Rod, what do you think about this?
2: It's, it's, it's gotta be Alfred and Vernon Broadness, your two frontline guys. I mean, it goes without saying, I agree with CJ. Um, situationally, you might have some issues. Well, it's run heavy power run teams. If that is going to be the case, um, which means you, and we're talking about this, I think for the entire defense, right? You better have a counter. You just brought up. The situational kind of rotations, matchup-based rotations you might have on the edges. If you're going up against a pass heavy team or you're in a pass heavy situation that you're gonna play, you know, Ethan Berg, and then probably, you know, I trade more out there because those guys are your better pass rushers. Um, and you know, Baron Sorrell and maybe some of the guys are better run stuffers. I, I think you could be like the same thing in the interior. I I agree with CJ on that. Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins, ideally, those are your two frontline guys. You need to be versatile enough to have somebody that can play the nose for you when a team counters with the power run game, which they will, because Texas will be built, I think, constructed really well from the outside in this time, the back seven, the front seven, team, some teams, Michigan early on, they will challenge you with the power run game.
1: Yep. Hey, I, I, I've got a note here. Aaron Bryant actually is the most natural nose that's actually older of this group, but he's also the smallest nose. Uh, of that group right uh, because you you have uh you have also behind him Sadir Mitchell and then Alex January right that are those bigger real mm-hmm. bulky sized guys and then don't forget about Teo Alali Savea i think he's more nice. of a three technique so he's an outside guy I, I look at all this and i think that y'all are right obviously it's brought in in, in Collins but I think that the, the future of this defensive line has to be one of Sadir Mitchell or Alex January. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I would say, because I'm worried about how young those guys both are. Not yeah. how talented they are, but how young they are. And Mitchell is a guy that is just barely getting ready and getting going right now. January is a little bit more advanced, even though he's younger.
2: Yeah. In my
1: opinion. And so – I'm concerned about about that role as I've been, but that's that's okay. There's time to figure out what's going on. One of the best things about spring football and getting a guy like Alex January and early is to see exactly how ready he might be.
3: And I yeah. and I said
1: this earlier. The one good thing about this too, Rod and CJ, is they're going to be going up a good against a good offensive line. Texas should get a good gauge of where its defensive tackles are now. Yeah, because they're going to have a good like before if the defense was kicking butt Texas didn't know really if it was because their offensive line was bad or the defensive line was good mm-hmm. now we have a true barometer from from which to to gauge the defensive front that's that's yeah. my opinion. so interesting uh linebackers is a little bit different scenario guys
2: mm-hmm. I, I really
1: think this is the, this is really difficult uh because obviously we know Anthony Hill is going to start and play a lot we we yeah. hope because he just is He's around the ball, he smells it, he feels it, and then he attacks it, right? Yeah, <laughs> And he, he does it with, with vigor um, is the best way to put it. The second one, I kind of assume, is David Benda, as of what we know right now. My question to you all, though, is who plays which position? Like, it, it, do you move? Do you move Hill straight up? Mike Linebacker? I mean, is, is he a Sam? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Uh, CJ, I'm going to
3: let you start with your thoughts on that matter. I, I think you keep Anthony Hill at will. I, I do. I think you use his versatility uh, and athleticism to kind of be creative in how you use him. You know, we saw it under Pete Kwiatkowski when he had DeMarvion Overshown. He met with Dan Quinn about Micah Parsons and said, how do you, you know, how do you use this guy in your in your defense? You know, what are the creative ways to free him up? And I think you look at Anthony Hill right now as a continual guy on your defense to say, yeah, he's going to be a game changer. I can't keep him in one spot on my defense. I have to change the looks in which I give to a, a, a def- or an opposing offense from a snap-to-snap basis. So I think for at least the Mike position, that's someone that – you know. we saw Jalen Ford line up in the middle of the Texas defense for mm-hmm. every single snap seemingly for two straight years. We knew where he was going to be. You didn't necessarily know where DeMarvion Overshone was going to be or an Anthony Hill last year. And that's the versatility that I think Texas should keep with Hill at will. So I'm going to go with Benda as well to kind of move into that Mike spot. Uh, But I also wonder, and I know that Benda's going to have, you know, the the elder statesman card here, but we saw Benda start the year last year as, you know, linebacker two, right next to Ford. And then we saw Anthony Hill start chipping away as the, the season progressed. And finally it was Anthony Hill's role. I wonder how much uh, Leonga LaFalle is able to chip away at that job. He's someone that came into camp last year at 6'1, about 225. It not necessarily talked about a whole lot, but that's a very good build and he moves very well. The tape didn't lie from high school. He can move very well and at that size. That's adequate enough to play. Right now, if he's able to take a step, I think he carves out a pretty significant role for 23, but or 24, excuse me. But right now I have to go with a bend at Mike. Anthony the Hill at will.
1: Hey, I got to say this. Kendrick Blackshire was backup middle linebacker too at Alabama. Yeah. So, I mean, think about that. Uh, yeah. Other guys we're not talking about here too. Darian Galette, uh, a possibility. We've heard he's having a good good year right now. Uh, Maurice Blackwell though is a name that you like to mention, Rod, but you think he's more of a
0: specialty guy in certain situations.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would almost look at the linebacking core because of Anthony Hill's versatility that CJ uh, just mentioned. And I agree with him. You want him to be your movable chess piece. You were like, I mean, Sark even said last year he was one of your two best pass rushers. The guy was a freshman walking in as one of your two best pass rushers. You don't want to lose that. That's something he has naturally. So you want to better use that off the edge. And he is electric off the edge. He really is. Got a great first step. Um, so yeah, I would continue to move around, but depending on the team you're playing, if you're playing a team that likes to run the football, or you're playing a team that decides to be a change it up as a, a power run team, then I do think Bender's the guy, and then you can move him around. You put Bender at the mic. But if you're playing a team that wants to throw the football, Bender's a Bender's a liability in pass coverage. I, he just is, unless he's blitzing. Um, so I do wonder if you if guys like Mo Blackwell or LaFoul are better options. Against teams that are a little bit more balanced, or teams that want to be pass pass heavier, against Texas because, and the truth is, a lot of the a lot of your busts in coverage early on last year were crossing routes to Benda. Yeah. He's, he's, so he can be more coverage sound. He can get better, but you they their teams are going to go after him in pass coverage if that's your guy in the middle. Yeah, and well, I,
1: agree. yeah I agree. I, it, you're not. You're obviously right, Rod. The the, the issue is we hope Benda's learning. Right. Yes. This is one of those things he's got. He finally got a lot of snaps last year. Right. And so it could be a learning process for him overall. Uh, Fingers crossed on that. But I I think we'll go Hill and Benda at linebacker as the prediction. The secondary. Man, this is going to be interesting because I I feel like the corners are kind of locked in. I feel like it's going to be Terrence Brooks and Manny Muhammad. Let's start there. What do you all think?
3: Yep, I'm with you. It's where you play either of them. I, Rod, you mentioned it on Friday that you liked Manny Muhammad at the boundary spot, and I agree with you. I think that's where I would play Manny Muhammad because he's closer to the football there. I think yep. that's a, a, a clear strength of his compared to Terrence Brooks. And I think with Terrence Brooks, though not necessarily bringing that elite speed to that wide side of the field, he was Texas's best cornerback this year. He, you know, was com- targeted. Uh, pretty often, over 80 times this year, had a 44% completion percentage against. So, by percentages, he was Texas's best cornerback this year, even with not necessarily having that elite speed on the wide side of the field. I'm comfortable with that in 24 because I still think Terrence Brooks has that elite athleticism despite not having that top end speed. There's a difference there because he can jump through the roof. You know, you watch him in person kind of move around laterally you think you're like, yeah, this guy looks like he can long jump and high jump with the best of anybody. That's the athleticism part of it. And so I'm comfortable enough with that. And I like what Malik Muhammad is able to do coming downhill to fit those quick uh, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, boundary screens or boundary, you know, toss sweeps, whatever, you know, teams like to do very quickly to get to the boundary. That's where Malik Muhammad, in my eyes, can come in and say, no, 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 I'm a physical cornerback, and I like to hit people. That's rare, but he possesses it. So I like where those guys are currently. I don't know how y'all see it, but I I think, Rod, you might be lining up with me. I want to hear it.
2: Yeah, no, no, hit the nail on the head, because I I think Malik Muhammad, at that boundary, where the ball's going to be coming out quicker, uh, usually, I mean, quarterback's more accurate to the boundary. A lot of times, easier throw. I want Malik Muhammad over there. I think he's better in press. And I think they want to start playing more press coverage. Toward the end of the season, Last well, last two regular season games, I include the Big 12 title in that, so Tech and Oklahoma State. Um, Texas played more press coverage on the field and boundary side and they played all season long. I don't think that was coincidence. Could have been based on the matchup. Maybe they didn't fear the wide receivers for Oklahoma State or Texas Tech. But I think that's what they want to start doing more and more of. And I think Matt Muhammad has better press technique. For those easier, high, higher percentage throws for a quarterback on the boundary side. But the footwork of Terrence Brooks also helps him out. He doesn't have the foot speed, but he's got great footwork right, as a DB. And I think if he cleans up his leverage, I think a lot of times he gets himself in trouble with bad leverage. Yeah. Right, the, field, the field, Leverage is key when you're on the field side, guys. It's key. Depending on where that wide receiver is lining up, you can use the the sideline as your other man. Um, I think sometimes he gets himself in trouble with leverage, and I don't think he has as uh as I don't know if the technique at the line of scrimmage is as you know as natural as a guy like uh, Malik Muhammad. He's a lot more physical, getting his hands on guys. Sometimes Terrence Brooks doesn't reroute the wide receivers. I think he cleans all that up, but I think on the on the field side, I trust him because sometimes they want those guys to play off coverage on the field side. Because uh, at times the uh, the boundary side can be end up isolated in a in a man coverage set, or they're rolling coverage to the field side where there's more space, and he can he triangulates a little uh, really well. And what I mean by triangulate, I mean go uh, your vision, reading the quarterback, reading from the quarterback. To your number two receiver, and then they to triangulate that and, and see the route combination as it happens. Essentially, that's what you're doing in zone coverage. A lot of times, you're not you're going from one key to another, you're going from the quarterback, three-step read, boom, to the number two receiver, boom, back to the number one receiver. He does that really well. Um, and that's part of him being a technician. And I think that's what that's what helps him on the on the field side. I'm not sure just because of experience that Manny Muhammad does that as well. I think Terrence Brooks is a little bit better when he comes off coverage that
1: way. He's got good eyes. Harris Brooks, that's basically what you're saying. And he lets it lead his feet a little bit. And and, yeah. Um, All right. uh, Interestingly, other than Gavin Holmes, nobody has much experience as backup there. Warren Roberson. Then you have the incoming guys like Kobe Black. We'll see if Wardell Mack plays there at all. Uh, Just keep an Mm -hmm. eye not only on the starters. I think the starters are in stone almost uh, or etched in stone. But let, let's see what the backups look like, too. All right, Nickel is interesting to me because here we have uh, Jade Barron, who's a returning two-year starter, going to be a three-year starter uh, for the Longhorns. But we have Andrew McCuba coming in, Austin Jordan, Jalen Gilbo also at the position. Um, you got to think Barron is going to play Nickel and push Makuba to safety. Anybody disagree with that?
3: That's all I see. No. I, I think Barron is penciled in. Uh, you, you mentioned not having a whole lot of depth out at cornerback. That's also been kind of uh, thrown around as well this offseason that he might be a fit out for the outside spots as well. If that happens, I would expect to see Makuba tossed down in that spot. You could talk about Jalen Gilbo also playing a little bit there. I like Jada Barron close to the football. I think he's impactful near the line of scrimmage where he's close to the football. It just feels like it's a natural playmaking instinct that he possesses more so than some of the other defensive backs on this roster it feels like the more that he is able to be around the football the better things happen you look at the houston game specifically i would keep him at the, the nickel spot and just say hey like you're a good football player we need you here more so than where you know i, I would say you would like to play in terms of projecting towards the nfl unfortunately
1: what do you think yeah. rod you think just go with jade baron and call it a day
2: yeah, J- Jaday's the guy, no question about it. He's a great football – as a football investigator, as I like to call him. He's always picking up clues uh, that the offense has given him, and, he, and that's why he's he's, he's so, uh, you know, quick and decisive uh, in his action. I will say this. The only thing I'll say is if – let's just say if there's a – is this an injury? I'm knocking on wood here because I hope there's no injury at all. Um, but I wonder, like, is your – your if you had an injury to your cornerback position – and let's say one of your corners ends up getting injured, Terrence Brooks or Malik Muhammad. Like I said, I'm knocking on the double wood there because I'm just talking hypotheticals. I, I think it'd be better to put Jade Barron out there and, like you said, to move McCuba down than to go to one of the other backup corners. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm all about putting your best five out there. Who are my best five DBs? That's why I like cross-training guys. Ultimately, see, Jade Barron is probably your second or third best corner, Right. And he's the guy that's going to go out there. If there's an injury, who's your second best nickel? Is it Gilbo? Is it Jordan? No, it's Makuba. <laughs> you know that, right? We all know that. So I, I that's why I'm all about cross-training guys, man. I think you have to cross-train guys because you never know when something happens, injury, you manufacture depth that way. Like I said, but you just mentioned the U of H game, right? Jay Barron comes off the bench, he's not even playing, and he has to go save the game for Texas. And that was a great game, but they, they played one – I forgot the game where he has to go out to play corner um, for him as well. You know, those – if not for his versatility, you know, you know, you end up losing some games next year potentially. I, I I, like having my corners and my nickels, being able to play multiple positions. I think that's important.
1: Got it. All right. I think I think the nickel spot is barren to your point, Rod, and that moves Makuba to safety. So I'm going to yep. go back to you at safety. Is there a definite starter right now? Because Bakuba's been a three year starter at, at Clemson. Michael Taft started some for Texas. And then Derek Williams looked like a little bit of a revelation for Texas at times at safety last year. There's only two spots. You got to pick okay. two of those three. Who are you picking, Rod?
2: Yeah, I know. No disrespect to Taft Daddy because I'm a fan, and Taft Daddy will play. We got to remember, they rotating guys on defense, heavy rotations. Uh, uh, and actually, we criticized some, some of those rotations last year. Uh, but Derek Williams, can guys, he can he can cover. He's your best coverage safety. And then Makuba comes in, he can cover. Your, two big, your biggest issue in the secondary last year was foot speed and your safeties couldn't cover. They just weren't coverage specialists. They were good football players, but not coverage specialists. These guys, both of them, Derek Williams can cover. So can Makuba. I think those two guys are your safeties. And oh man, you're gonna be a lot, guys. You're gonna to lock teams down in the slot there with Makuba and Derek Williams. That's gonna be pretty freaking sweet. I'm gonna tell you right now, that's gonna uh, <laughs> PK is licking his chops about safeties that can cover like that. Oh man, it is. It gives you so much freedom and flexibility as a as a play caller.
1: Also yeah. has some new covers coming in too. Jelani McDonald moved there to, to safety full time. Uh, Xavier Philsimi is there. We think Jordan Johnson-Rebell play a little bit of nickel, a little bit of safety. Wardell Mac, Mack uh,
3: maybe as well. Uh, CJ, you have any comments about that safety room that you want to add? I think if you're rolling out Derrick Williams with Andrew Makuba and having Malik Muhammad and Terrence Brooks and A. Barron up at the nickel spot, you're looking at a defensive secondary that can really range in terms of what they can cover in the passing game. And, and for my money's worth, those are – all surefire tackling guys too, you know, Ter- Derek, Williams showed that he's willing to tackle. We've talked about Manny Muhammad, Terrence Brooks is, you know, an athletic guy. Andrew Makuba M- was an all American guy as a freshman at Clemson. And that's kind of stuck around. He's been more towards the box where you have to be a physical guy. So mm-hmm. I think the traits that you see with Jada and Makuba, you know, those are physical traits that you have playing in space. Whereas it's not common for them to want to get their hands dirty and and get a a big hit on somebody so not only are you increasing your uh, ability to cover the, the whole the whole field because of an athletic standpoint but you're also getting five guys on the field in the secondary that are willing to tackle which hasn't always been the case with the texas texas secondary over the years so i love this defensive secondary on paper we'll see how it goes against this new talented wide receiving core in uh in spring football but right now on paper i love this this is uh this is fun You think – so
1: in whole, we've we've gone through all the defensive positions. Y'all think that the back five is the potential strength of the defense this coming year?
3: I think so. I think that uh, your returning is two starting cornerbacks. Your your nickel is there. You have, you know, a a freshman – or returning freshman that showed a lot of good promise. You know, we thought that he should have been on the field more than he he was at times last year. And obviously, Makuba, a three-year starter at Clemson, you're looking around and saying, all right, they have the athleticism. They have experience everywhere now. This should be a much improved secondary than what we saw a year ago because of the speed, because of the versatility, and because of the, you know, just pure ability to, to play football.
1: Rod, you yeah. think the defense of secondary is, is the team's strength?
2: Yeah. And I'm it'll be, yes, I I do believe it's a strength because uh, you're obviously returning today, Bear and experience and you're bringing in Makuba. But I will say this. I think also what's gonna help just the coverage overall. The coverage will be better. So a lot of that pressure, remember Texas last two years, guys, have been like top five in the power five and pressure, top ten, I should say, in the power five and pressures. They've been getting a lot of pressures, but they don't always translate into splash plays, they don't translate into takeaways all the time. And Texas is trying to really figure out what's how to bridge that disconnect, right? How do we turn this pressure into more splash plays? with a guy like, you know, Trey Moore now on the edge, which are edge rushers just being better overall, Ethan Berg, Baron Sorrell, you know, bringing in a guy like Colin Simmons, you know, Anthony Hill can rush off the edge too. You might get more effective pressure and your coverage is going to be a little stickier. So I wouldn't doubt if overall, yes, your secondary ends up being better, but it's more of a, group effort it's more of a, a philosophical change that that's why the coverage is better because you're getting more pressure on, you're getting pressure on the quarterbacks that's translating into splashier plays but it, I think it'll, it, it's all I think going to be a uh, kind of a group effort but I do think the secondary is going to end up coverage may end up being the strength whereas rushing defense was your strength last year as a unit.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. That's going to do it uh, for the defensive issue of this uh, or episode, I guess I should say, of on Texas football. Uh, I liked it. Uh, Not many surprises in there uh, to me, uh, really, to say that I think we were most concerned, most uh, uh, questioning ourselves at edge as who who would be going there with Sorrell Moore, and Burke and also maybe a little bit at safety. Maybe a little bit at safety. All right, uh, And in linebacker too. I guess. Yeah. All right. For Rod Babers and C.J. Vogel, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of On Texas Football. Hope
0: everybody's having a good weekend. Hook 'em. Hook 'em.